Hey, Dog Speak Geeks. Do you ever feel frustrated? Well, your dog does. Frustration occurs when an animal is interrupted in reaching their goals. Unfortunately, this occurs all too often in the modern world when a dog's goals do not align with those of their human companion. This can be a source of distress for both you and your dog, but it can also lead to the development of problem behaviors and can damage the relationship that you have with your dog. But we have answers for you. Join us for a two-day in-person seminar October 5th and 6th with instruction by Daniel Shaw. Daniel Shaw is an animal behaviorist with a background in animal behavior, psychology, and neuroscience. He will be talking about what frustration is and how it can be identified, the difficulty of conventional approaches in resolving frustration, what influences the value of rewards, as well as supporting frustrated dogs and building frustration tolerance. You can buy early bird tickets now until August the 5th, and be sure that you join us for our pre-seminar social Friday evening where you can meet Daniel and the Dog Speak team. We look forward to seeing you October 5th and 6th in Nashville, Tennessee for the Neuroscience of Resolving Frustration in Dogs seminar. Hey, Dog Speak Geeks, what a special week, and we are actually finally getting an episode out on a regular Tuesday, which is what I prefer instead of waiting until the end of the week. Um, really excited that uh, we got Amanda back with us this week. How you doing, Amanda? I'm doing good, but this episode isn't about me. Uh, special guest me? Yep. Is that what we special talked guest, about? Nikki so, Nikki Ivy. <laughs> so, you know, y'all know that that Britt has, I always say she has a real job now um, instead of just managing dog speak. And so she is not as available for podcast episode recording just because our schedules are so different. So that's why you guys had Gray last week. And I told Amanda, I said, okay, come up with some things to talk about because you usually have some really good ideas. And what is it that we're freaking doing today? Talking about you. Talking about me. People are like, I don't want to hear about you. I think I mean, we've do. got to get to know episode Nikki. We did that, but this is going to get more into like the training aspect yeah. of things. Yep. Yeah. So you're going to be leading this. Um, so before we start real quick, and I know you guys probably got, you know, right before the episode, you get the little advertisement about our reactive dog workshop, but I really want to push that September 30th through October 2nd. We still have some working spots and auditor spots left. So sign up and get your early bird registration. We're really excited. Um, and, um, we are going to have a really good time with this and, uh, we'll have, um, basically all of us will be there. Britt will be there with snacks and drinks. Um, Gray will be there helping. Alicia will be there helping, which I've not met and talked to. And I don't know if Amanda's going to be there or not, but I might show up on Saturday. I might show up <laughs> on Saturday. Uh, so we're, we're going to have the whole game. I mean, if you so need you Clark guys- to do his job. You know what? Actually, we might use Clark on Sunday okay? because we'll be using fake dogs on Saturday. But Sunday might be really good for Clark in his beautiful little dog speak vest. (laughs) So if you guys want to come meet us in person, this is your time to do it. And hey, maybe we'll even, you know, have a a Saturday night dinner and y'all can have a a big open table discussion. We might do that if you guys are interested. So I know we have a couple people traveling in, uh, really excited. We have, um, I know we have one coming in from Wisconsin. So we're really excited about uh, getting to meet you guys face to face. So it's going to be exciting. Uh, but anyway, that's enough of, of that. And uh, I'm just going to let Amanda take over here. So what got us started on this topic was we were, well, we had talked briefly about, how everything changes as more research comes out. I am a physical therapist by trade. So it's a evidence-based practice that I do daily, but I think with all living organisms, you need to be an evidence-based person. Like if you're dealing with a living being, you need to like be up on your research on what's the newest, what's the most innovative, what's the best research out there as far as what we know, because we can start somewhere, but if we don't ever learn as we go, then what's the point? Um, so 
that being said, we got to talking about dog training. And then you mentioned it a little bit on your last episode with Stephen Heather about how you've changed. And you talked a little bit about Myers having a nightmare. And <laughs> um, so then that sparked, I was like, let's do a podcast on this. Because there's been things that I noticed starting as a client of yours three years ago that I've noticed you kind of change your stance on for the better and like for valid reasons. Um, and we'll talk about that in, later. But um, let's start with the elephant in the room. Of- no, I have no idea what's coming. I'm just telling y'all right now. We are we are on computer. She's not actually in person. So we're on computer. Uh, and we're, I see her face. And I'm not sure if I trust her or not. <laughs> so just <laughs> I have no idea what's coming. All right. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> the elephant in the room. Elephant in the room. What, what elephant? Have you always been a positive trainer? No. Okay. Um, so I've been doing this for as long as I've been alive. But as lo- oh Jesus, Christ. I've been doing this for twenty six years. Yes, over twenty six years. <laughs> yes. So, God, why do you got to do that? <laughs> um, when I started out, no, I started out using prong collars. Um, I didn't use choke chains. I used prong collars because I felt like they were a little more humane because I wasn't choking the dog. Um, I played the whole dominant alpha game. Um, I have put some dogs on their back, uh, which uh, I will say I don't know why, looking back, why I thought that was, I guess, the thing to do, because that's what that's the education that was out there. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember I probably did it less than a year I remember the specific time I, I was like, I quit. I, if this is what dog training is, I quit. And it was, I was working with a dog on a prong collar in his backyard and working on just leash manners. So not a lot of correction or anything, just working with leash manners with the the prong collar, using treats. I've always used treats. And I've always tried to be nice to the dogs because I really like dogs. <laughs> I mean, I've worked in a vet clinic. I've, you know, I've worked with, with them and, you know, during surgeries and just annuals. And, and so I've, I, I like dogs. I don't, I don't want to harm them. And I just remember taking the leash off of the dog and saying, okay, now let's play and let's do something else other than training just to take a break. And the dog ran from me, ran to the back door and sat there mm. and leaned against it. Like, please let me in and away from this lady. And that was the moment that I was like, this isn't working. Yeah. This is not working for me. Mm-hmm. This is, you know, um, since I was 12, I wanted to be in law enforcement. That didn't work. <laughs> so now I'm supposed to be in dog training. Well, this isn't any fun. I don't want to do this. If this is what dog training is, I'm done. I quit. Mm-hmm. And I was fortunate enough to be introduced to more positive training methods that were not really, they really weren't around that much. I mean, they were used with rabbits and chickens and birds, but you just didn't see it much. Mm -hmm. And so when I got introduced to operant conditioning and BF Skinner and Pavlov and chicken training and all of that, that's what changed. And uh, that's 25 years now. I've been a positive reinforcement trainer and I have not put a correction collar on a dog in 25 years. So yeah. So there you go. See, so I've changed (laughs) (laughs) for the better, which is actually something I didn't know. Uh, So that's why I wanted to ask. Cause I was like, really, I feel like, yeah, because I grew up with little dogs that, like, we didn't train little dogs. They were just little house dogs. It, they were mm-hmm. what they were. Um, they were part of the family. You still loved them, fed them, take care of them. But at the end of the day, like, they were little dogs. You didn't train them to do anything. They choked themselves if you walk them around the block on their harness. <laughs> like, they were just there. Um, just pick them up, put them in the room, throw them, throw them in the bathroom. Right. And so... Then I, but the only other exposure I had to, I guess, train dogs were those of like family or friends. And they like, I felt like standard was you just walk them on a prong collar. Like everyone had one. I didn't know any different, but I, then when I got a big dog, I knew we didn't do that with the little dogs. We put them on harnesses, but they were also Shih Tzu. So we didn't really use collars at all because they couldn't breathe anyway. So, right. um, Right. But then when I got a dog, I got a big dog and I was like, well, he's for sure too young for even a prong collar. So I started with the harness and then I went to 
a different trainer for two sessions and demanded a refund because they were like, every dog has to have a gentle leader. I was like, he hates this. Like that doesn't, I don't want to prevent him from doing stuff. I want him to do things that he want. I want him to learn that. I want us to have that relationship. And then luckily I was introduced to you and I was like, yes, this is it. Like, and, and you walked in not, well, our first day when we walked in, like you automatically saw it and you made us walk around the room without a leash, which scared me, but you did it. <laughs> and I was like, See, he can't do it. And, and that like solidified my deep concern of why am I putting this general leader on him? If he already follows me, like he's already next to me. Why are, why am I doing this? Um, but yeah, so I have always known you as the positive trainer. So <laughs> No, I was an asshole once. <laughs> I mean, I really was. And, uh, you know, but that's that's like the first one of the first books I ever read was The Monks of New Skeet. And, you know, it, it was um, it was all very aversive. Yeah. And dominant theory. Uh, and I hated it. Hated it. So, yeah, it, it's I just feel like. <sighs> I have gone because when I was growing up, we didn't have inside dogs. My dogs are still not allowed at my parents' house. I mean, we had outside dogs, no training there. Right. They ran the neighborhood. You know, it was it was the way it kind of went. So I didn't really have a lot of I hadn't I had no background really on any type of training. I never really trained my dogs as as when I was young. I was into sports. Like I said, I wanted to be in law enforcement. So I spent my days pretending to be a private investigator and <laughs> you know, interviewing all the neighborhood kids about a crime that didn't happen. So, you know, it was, uh, so I guess for me, it was also, I didn't have a ton to unlearn, mm -hmm. which was really good. Yeah. Um, and then I was fortunate enough to go and work with, um, Marion Breland Bailey and Bob Bailey, who worked with BF Skinner, um, with chicken training. And so I spent a week training chickens. And I was like, hell, if you don't have to put a prong collar on a chicken. Yeah. Why are we doing it? Dogs? Could, right. Why are the hell we doing it with dogs? Right. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah, I was an asshole once. And um, at least I rec I'm still an asshole, y'all. I'm just not to dogs. Just in a different way. <laughs> just in a different way. That's it. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll say one of the biggest things that I noticed was probably since you got Myers. So when I walked into class first day. I, like the first thing I noticed was no one had harnesses and I'm like, Oh God, my dog has a harness. Oh God. Um, <laughs> but I showed up without my dog cause he wasn't vaccinated. So I was like, okay, yes. we can't, we can't wear this harness to class. Like we, <laughs> and, um, so then it was very like the dog should walk on the collar, blah, blah, blah. And it was almost like anti harness. But then now the research has come out and you're like, actually, if you find the right harness, very safe and it's not necessarily restrictive or it's not pulling or it's not encouraging the pulling. Um, and it can be a good tool per se, if you have a very reactive dog or just a dog that you want to have an adventure. Like I don't want the dog by my side. I'm going to let him go sniff. Like, yeah, sure. He can be on a harness. Um, so that was one thing that I have noticed was your stance on harnesses change. You know, it because I tell you what I, why I didn't like harnesses. I use Martingale collars quite a bit, and they they can be uh, they can be a little aversive. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. for me, it was using the pressure points of the Martingale, which is still kind of aversive. Uh, the harness for me, my problem was that people allow dogs on harnesses to pull too much mm -hmm. because they don't hear the gagging noise. They're not feeling really the strain on the on the arm, and so they allow the dogs to pull a little bit more. So by teaching on a collar, it makes them a little bit more aware of that. Yeah. And I think for me, my big switch to harness was with my reactive dogs mm -hmm. because the majority of the reactive dogs we work with have already had negative associations with collars around the neck. Mm -hmm. And so we want it to change. If we're going to change that emotion, we need to change all the other components to it. And I think that's kind of when I, when I kind of went to harnesses and now, yes, people do come to class with harnesses. Um, and sometimes I'll switch them to a collar just to kind of help them, but then let them use the harness. But you're right. It's about this. It's about the right harness. Mm -hmm. Make sure it's not restricting movement. It fits properly. It's comfortable. I like two point harnesses. And of course we use one for seatbelts, hiking, um, you know, 
And and there are a lot of people that do use harnesses on a regular basis for walking. Um, and again, it's fine. I just want to make sure that people have that ability to notice when that pulling's happening and use the right words so that we can have that off-leash control. Right. It's like for me, off-leash control is like the big thing. Um, Myers doesn't know a lot of commands, right? I mean, he can sit. He is finally learning the word down. Um, we don't really use it. Right. Um, play, he uses let's go this way. And then he knows calm. Uh, he knows crate and those simple things. But I was thinking the other day, I was like, God, he really doesn't know that much. Like my Rottweilers by nine months of age were freaking rock stars. Like they had 30 things under their belt and he does not. And, uh, but I realized on Sunday we went to Brittany's mom and she lives in a cabin in the woods. There are horses in a, in the pasture and he was off leash that whole time. And I, the, basically the commands I used was they were this way when he got too far and then come. Mm-hmm. And I probably caught him 10 to 12 times in a couple of hours and he came every single time. And I was like, you know what? That's my goal mm-hmm. is to have that off leash control so that he can have more adventures. Um, and of course be able to be in public on a leash. Um, so he can be nice there. But, uh, but yeah, I, I was walking him on a harness. He doesn't like his harness. So we're kind of moving back to a collar for him. Um, but yeah, I think I, I have changed. I, I, and, but again, that's the thing is when people say, you know, you're an expert. Well, I, I might be, you know, a leading educator and I'm very knowledgeable, but to me, if you're an expert, you've stopped learning and you're stuck in your ways. Mm -hmm. And and for me, I think there's always going to be new ways to look at things and, and especially with having a small dog now, not having Rottweilers, it's like, hmm, all right, what's what's the difference here? Right, no, so that's actually a good, yeah. good segue to the next question. Oh, good. Okay. So looking back on, let's say, Bandit, Tiva, and Myers, <laughs> for those that don't know, Bandit was your first dog of adult. Beagle Bassett, yeah. Beagle Bassett, Dotson, Chow, Corgi. She was 32 pounds and about eight inches off the ground. <laughs> and then there's Tiva, your working dog. And then there's Myers, your pet dog. So, Don't forget Day in Dublin. Right. I mean, but Day in came after Tiva. Yes, and they both Tiva were. was a rock star. I mean, you can, you, yes. can, you can bunch them together. You can bunch yeah. Them. Okay. Yeah. My Roddies. Yeah. Okay. So your expectations raising all of them, how were they similar and how are they different? The biggest probably difference is that my Roddy's. So, okay, starting with Bandit, I was night. I was eighteen years old uh, when I got Bandit in college, and um, I had no clue about anything. I had no idea how to housebreak a dog. She chewed shit up. I mean, absolutely everything you could do wrong, I did wrong. I would scream and yell at her. I would threaten her. I, I think I put a shock collar on her once um, because my cousins. My cousin had one. And I was like, oh, well, let's do that. <laughs> a bad idea. I'm so glad she loved me. But um, she's the reason I became a dog trainer. But I didn't do really anything with her. So there was really nothing there. So when I got our my, my first Roddy was actually Trace. And then there was Tiba, but Tiba was the main one. I was Trace was more my partner's dog, uh, and she did most of the training. Uh, so Tiba, when I got Tiba, my purpose of Tiba was to be a search and rescue dog. Mm-hmm. So she was purposely purchased for working. So with that, with that working in search and rescue, and then working with Dog Speak, uh, she would become a dog that would help me with reactive dogs because I didn't need I didn't need a partner with her. I literally could put her somewhere and put her in a standstay and she could walk a couple of steps at a time to come closer if she needed to. She was the most awesome dog. So my, my goal for her was a lot of socialization, a lot of exposure. I started search and rescue training very early. Then we went to human remains. Um, and then, um, but I did a lot of socialization with her with double D I screwed up. I screwed up with day because I focused too much on the work with her. Mm. Uh, I, I basically started working her. She was being uh, put on human remains odor uh, within the first week that I got her. Uh, So at like nine weeks, I had her on human remains odor. And so uh, she hit probably three seminars before she was three months old. We had because I still had I still had Tiba. And so we would just travel and do things because I knew I was going to have to retire Tiba soon. So I wanted to get 
Dayan up and running. Right. And she Dayan did a great job, but I didn't spend that time really exposing her to life. Um, just mostly to things that we would encounter the woods, you know, uh, searching cars, buildings, um, you know, things like that. Water. She was on. I have a picture of her being on the boat uh, doing um, human remains training on a boat when she was like 10 weeks. Oh, my God. It's, it's ridiculously cute. But um, I didn't do all those other things. And she was great. At one year, she certified in building. She certified in car and wilderness. And so she was certified at a year, Mm -hmm. Um, but she wasn't the social dog that Tiba was. And then, of course, I retired from search and rescue or took a sabbatical. I might go back at this point (laughs) um, because Meyer's nose is amazing uh, in 2012. And so I didn't raise another dog until Meyer's came six months ago. The difference. Um, the biggest is I, like I said, I've not trained him in a lot of commands. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't really, the biggest trick he knows is hold, hold mama's hand, which is really cute. Uh, <laughs> he just holds my hand. Um, exposure was big with him. Mm-hmm. Um, I went out and just exposed him. Didn't ask for a lot of commands. Didn't drive home with different things. I didn't, I'm not doing a lot of direction for him. I'm basically just letting him take things and, um, and absorb them and, and helping him through it. Uh, but because I'm not working him, um, I haven't done as much of that kind of being the controller. I think it's probably the biggest thing. I'm not, I, I don't give him a ton of commands. Like I said, the other day we were out for two hours and that, and he, there were horses and it was basically when he would get near the fields and go towards the horses where I would give him direction. Mm-hmm. Otherwise he was free to do as he pleased. So, the other probably big difference is I had a lot of tough love with the Rottweilers, uh, meaning that, you know, it's suck it up, buttercup, right? It's it's just a, a cup on the ground. Don't be such a puss, right? right? <laughs> and now I'm like, oh, Myers, it's okay. Let's go check this out. No, you don't want to. That's okay, too, right? And and But it's mainly because I'm learning more, right? And, and I'm, I'm getting better with what I do. Um, his, his nose work is on point, though. I think Tiba is in there somewhere mm-hmm. uh, because his nose work is on point. Um, so I'm doing a little bit of work with him with his nose and go hunting and, and things of that nature. But um, I'm a lot, I don't want to say that I was a dic- dictator before, <laughs> maybe a dick, but not, I, I don't, I, I just, it, I was of the thought of if I tell you to do something, you do it and you do it now. Mm-hmm. It was also times of looking at my dog. I remember this one time when I was at, I had my facility and a client, a potential client came in and my dog was barking and it was Trace at that point. And I just said, excuse me to my client or potential client. And I looked over at my dog and I said, if you can't act like somebody, you're going to need to go in the other room. And at that point, Trace just looked at me, turned around and walked away (laughs) and went to the room. And at that point, they were my clients because they were so impressed um, you know, but it was, you know, now if I have barking, I'm not just being, you're being an ass, mm-hmm. but now I'm like, okay, why are we barking? Yeah. What's the motivation behind it? So I'm looking a little bit deeper than just that external and I'm not quick to be reactive and like, shut up. It's, you know, well, okay. Shut the fuck up comes up <laughs> quite often with Myers these points, but I am teaching the same as that's enough. Uh, it just makes me feel better to say it. <laughs> So, yeah, I'm not as much of a, I I don't know if I was a dictator, but I'm not, I'm not this hard ass much anymore. And, and if Myers, if I ask him to sit and I ask him a couple of times and he doesn't sit, I'm not like, oh, well, and now I'm just kind of like, whatever. Yeah. Before I'd be like, oh, your ass didn't sit. Then you can go to the crate. And when you're ready to sit, you can come back out and then we're going to (laughs) sit. So I think that's the biggest difference. I'm just, I, I'm like, you have a reason. I know you know it, but there's a, you must have a reason that you don't want to sit. Do you think it might be really important? Do you think it might be because your expectations are a little different? Like you had expectations of the Roddies being working dogs versus your expectation for Myers is to be a dog. You know, I would I would almost want to say yes, but I think no, because for me, that off-leash control 
is very important with Myers, mm-hmm. and it was a must with my Roddies, yeah. right? Because we worked off leash, and I mean, we've literally walked down the middle of a road with a police car behind us doing a search, mm-hmm. um, you know. So we, I had to have really good control, and that was always my main concern was having that off leash control. So I think that that's a little bit different with Myers. Um, and, well, and, and the other difference would be that, that Myers, I want him to be more social where my Roddy's, I'm kind of like, you don't, you can be if you want to be, but you don't have to be, Yeah, you know, when you're dealing with dead people, it doesn't really <laughs> matter. I mean, you know, I mean, Tiba did do live person search first, so she did like people, Yeah, you know, she loved kids and, and all of that, but I don't know. I, I, I you know, I think. Without really going too deep in it, I think yes in a way, but yes, but no in a way. Okay. I, I know that that probably doesn't answer a whole lot, does it? It is a little bit. Um, I mean, because everyone, I feel like everyone has expectations for their dog. And depending on the dog, it may be different. You know, they talk about, or you've talked about on podcasts, like with other clients, you know, this dog, yeah, I expect this of her or well, this dog's a little more scared. So really I just want her to like not be scared. That's her only expectation. Um, But then we have clients that come in. I also want to touch on, we'll segue this into like social media and expectations, unrealistic expectations we put on our dogs and ourselves. Yes. Yes. So there's a lot of, one of the things that I really like that you emphasize in the classes is that it doesn't matter if your dog is in the perfect heel quote air quote heel position. Um, as long as they're not pulling and hurting themselves, like why do they have to walk on your left or why do they have to walk on your right? You know? So I think there's a lot of dog trainers out there who use the ability to walk in a perfect heel as an expectation. Like if your dog can't walk in a heel, then you're screwed as an owner. It's a not a trained dog, you know, but it's like, why can't that dog enjoy the walk? Why can't it just be chilling with me as we walk? Um, so I think the expectation there, I also like in the home, I've had this conversation recently with a couple of clients about like, well, one of the first things I asked is like, well, what are your expectations for the dog? Do you want it on the couch? Do you not want it on the couch? Do you... Like, what do you want to be able to do with this dog? And then we'll go from there. Like, I'm not going to come in and tell you how you should raise the perfect dog because the perfect dog is different to everyone. And Amen to that. And we had, I had one client who sat there and I was like finishing up the session and I was like, okay, any other questions? She starts getting like real fidgety, real nervous. <laughs> She'll know who it is if she listens. Um <laughs> And she goes, and mind you, this is a puppy. Like this dog is a puppy, maybe 10 weeks old. And I go, what? And she goes, I want to ask, but I know that I think I know that I know. Why am I asking this? I know the answer. And I go, just what is it? (laughs) And she goes, bedtime and like winces. (laughs) (laughs) What about bedtime? Do you want? a routine? Do you want, like, are they having problems? Are they not sleeping through the night? Like it's the question. She goes, the crate at bedtime. I go, okay, what's the problem? Do they have to be in a crate at night? (laughs) You knew it was coming. I was like, right. Do you want the dog in a crate at night? Eventually Uh it's, I mean, it's going to be 180 pound great Dane. Do you want that dog in bed with you or do you want it? in the crate or in a place. Yeah. Well, no, I want, I want her in bed with me. I go, then you better get a big ass bed. <laughs> I go, okay. So what's the question? Yeah. You just answered it. You yeah. want your dog in bed with you. She goes, so that's okay. And I go, yeah, as long yeah. as it's safe at night puppy, I always give the, and I guess this applies to any dog too, that you're just, allowing freedom like that. But for a puppy, they have to be my like rules that I give them are they have to be able to sleep through the whole night. If they're not sleeping Mm -hmm. through the night, you're just asking for them to get into trouble. So they have to sleep through the night in the crate for a decent amount of time. 
like duration. So whatever that is, if you're only a five hour sleeper, then great. But if you're an eight hour sleeper, that dog needs to be sleeping for eight hours. And it needs to do that consistently. Don't just be like, oh, it slept in the crate for like eight hours tonight. We're good to go. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. Like we exactly. make sure. Um, and then is the room dog proof? I mean, like close all your closet doors, close the bathroom door, close your room door, like pick everything up, like everything. What are you going to be sad if the dog destroys? Cause that's the risk you're going to take. Yep. So she was like, Oh, so she can sleep in bed with me. I'm like, well, does she meet all those qualifications? Does she sleep through the night? Does she, is she potty trained? Does she, you know, this, that, and the other thing? Well, yeah. I'm like, okay. Yeah, you're right. It's these expectations that, that old school training yeah. or, you know, it's the same bullshit of you have to go to the door first. Do you think your dog even understands what a damn door is? No. Um, and it's funny when people are like, you know, I'm like, where does the dog sleep at night? And, and you can just see the look really? on their face like, oh, in bed. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, they're like, that's okay. I'm like, I don't care. I don't sleep with you. If you want to sleep with your dog, that's between you and your partner. Right. Right. I mean, now sometimes I'll be like, you're newlyweds. You may want to reconsider just having some time of privacy there. Um, But it's like, why did, why is all this? I think that all of this was kind of don't put them on the, no furniture, no bed, walk through doors first, make them walk beside you. And I think it was, it had nothing to do with the dog. It had to do with the human beings needing to feel like they had control, needing to feel like they were bigger than something else. And for me, you know, again, I don't care what, you know, it, it like, like you with puppies, right? Yes, if, if you want your dog to sleep with you, fine. But right now, it may not be beneficial because the dog may not be housebroken. It may be chewing things. It's not sleeping through the night. Um, Myers has started sleeping with me, um, and except last night. So I've let him sleep in the bed with me. And um, and he does okay. He sleeps well, but he curls up right next to me, and I move a lot, and I worry about him, so I don't sleep well. And, <laughs> and so last night, I had to put him back in the crate because I'm like, dude, I've barely slept, Okay. <laughs> And last night I put him in the crate. He was fine because yeah. we've done enough of the crate. And then I actually slept solid. And I mean, I closed my eyes and didn't wake up until it was light again. And I don't know when the last time I've done that <laughs> um, without drugs. And so, uh, <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's, again, it's thinking about what is it that you want from your dog? I have clients who don't want their dogs on the furniture. Okay. We can do that. Okay. We want furniture, but only on permission. We can do that. Mm-hmm. I don't care if you want it all the time. And then I say, well, that's fine. However, if you're okay with them all the time, that means you have to be okay with them when you have company over and they're holding a glass of red wine, your dog just comes and leaps over and gets on the couch. You can't yell at them for that. Right. So all I ask is you're consistent mm-hmm. with your rules and your expectations, right? Um, yeah. I don't know where all that, uh, that crap came from. Uh, and you know, again, don't let the dog walk in front of you. He's in control. Mm-hmm. Well, then I guess that that every uh, every musher out there in Alaska is not in control of their dogs. <laughs> so, so I guess we're all just screwed, right? Um, I mean, let's be real, guys. Dogs don't give a shit. And you know, I hate it. I hate when people and I see people walk with their dogs in such a straight heel. And it's harsh heel. It's not a. It's not a. Stay close to me because we're in a crowded sidewalk. But it's a. Don't you dare walk away from me. Or or. And I'm like, why? Why do you want that? That's no fun for yeah. anybody. You're just trying to make yourself feel better. Yeah. It's that you know, and tight leash wrapped around the hand seven times. Right? It's like pulled up and you're like, constantly pulling them up. I like, yeah. and trap hurts just watching you, and the dog's like, I'm fine. I'm just here. Like. Right. And it's like, uh, and again, I think it always goes back to the person because I mean, I remember going to a craft fair or to a, like a a main street festival and there were um, some dogs there that were part of a company and um, they had them off leash. Yeah. And, um, but were they off leash or were they on an eight collar? Yeah, I was going to go there. Yeah. So they were wearing shock collars and they're walking with their shirts on and their dogs. And these poor dogs are like lower to the ground, ears back, tails down. And every time the dog would venture just a tad away from them, 
they would get the buzz mm-hmm. or the shock, right? So, um, and and they were like, and it was about looking at them and how good they are with their dogs and how good they train dogs. And and I was like, but me and you looking at that, we're like, that dog is terrible. That dog is terrified and miserable. And this is about you, not the dog. Um, and to me, I was like, that's just an asinine move. And I'm like, if you want to see a dog off leash, I'll bring one of mine and I'll show you real off leash control without a shock collar. Right. Right. And, 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 and he's nine months. He may not be perfect. He's going to walk under somebody's feet because he's 15 pounds, but I don't have to scare him right. to get that result um, because it's not about me. Right. Well, and that's another reason why I like, I was drawn more to your training versus others was because I'm like, okay, so you can get a dog to do whatever you want with a shot collar on. I couldn't even keep a clicker in my hand. Don't ask me to keep the remote in my hand. This other (laughs) trainer that I went to, I was like, well, I'm out on the walk and I didn't bring the clicker. Shoot. (laughs) Yeah. I used to teach that the clicker and I'm like, people just don't have the coordination, the timing. And I was like, you know what? It's the same concept. It's just, there's a time and a place. Like if you're trying to teach a very specific thing, it's fantastic. It can work. It's great. You know, it's the conditioning. Yeah. It's that. Oh, it's great. Yeah. But like for the everyday, like clicking, I'm like, why can't you just say yes? And they're like, well, the clicker, it's already, I was like, can I not condition? Yes. Yes, <laughs> you can. We condition good boy and good girl. Right. And then use yes when we really need to hit, you know, hit the, the mark. But it is, you're right. It's like, it, it's just making sure that, that you have an open, you have an open communication mm-hmm. and, and, Sometimes that might be the clicker for some, that might be the verbals. Um, if it's something that's not harming to the dog, great. I mean, we have somebody in class right now that is using a clicker um, for certain things, and I'm totally okay with that. Yeah. Um, and my job is to help her have good timing with that clicker yeah. and when she's marking that behavior. And and because she's using the clicker, I can actually see that her timing's off better than somebody just using a verbal. Right. So then she gets, you know, then I have to, then I deal with her a little bit more in class. So it makes me, it makes me feel like I'm picking on her, but I'm not. She's really good with her dog. Yeah. Um, matter of fact, she, and she's probably listening, but she has a gluten intolerant. Um, uh, she has a, a dog that does gluten intolerant, uh, not gluten intolerant, crap, gluten detection. Um, thank you. Detection. Yes. I was thinking of you whenever I saw that. So the first night of class, she said, do these, any of these have, treats have gluten in it? I'm like, well, I don't know. And I looked at Tiffany and then she went, never mind. I have a dog right here <laughs> that does this. <laughs> so I was like, oh, how cool is that? Um, little bo- a border collie, beautiful border collie. Mm-hmm. He's so sweet. Um, you know, but it, it is, it's against like whatever is co- comfortable for her. If she wants to use that clicker, I'm absolutely fine with that. Yeah. You know, um, as long as something, we're not doing something that hurts the dog. You know, we've, we've had some people that come to class and they want to use the aversive tools mm. and I have to tell them, I'm sorry, you know, we don't use them. Give me six weeks and I will show you, you don't need it. Right. But if they depend, you know, if they just really are like, no, I'm using this, then, then you probably need to go somewhere else because, you know, it's not, that the, means client, you're not. It's not the client for dog speak. So Exactly. It's not. And and I would love for everybody to be our client, but they have to get to where they're comfortable and understanding what we're trying to do. And, and, you know, and a lot of times when people go to trainers before me and she had been at a trainer before me, the one that wanted to use a a prong collar, she was adamant that this dog needed this. Now, granted, the dog was very strong. Um, I mean, he was very strong, but the har- that's where the harness comes in, the two-point harness system. Right. It's like, no, you don't need that. You can teach using something that's not going to cause pain and discomfort. But, you know, if they're not ready that for that, if they're not ready to hear that and try something different, then I just say, okay, let me know when you are. Be happy to help you at that point. Right. Um, and I know there are a lot of positive trainers who don't push people to get the, off the prong collar immediately. Um, and... And I've, I've had a couple where I've said, you know what, if you need to use prong collar when you're out walking right now, fine. However, do not correct with it, right? Um, or put it on the on the part of the collar that doesn't actually cinch it. Right. Or turn it upside down so the prongs are up. Yeah. It's more of a psychological thing for the dog. Um, but, yeah, it's just, I just, I want, I want people to have a relationship with their dog. Yeah. 
and out of it does. I mean, you know, my I've never put a correction collar on any of my Rottweilers. Yeah. You know, people are like, well, this is a big dog. It needs a prom collar. It's a no. big, scary dog. It needs a prom collar. Yeah. If you can't do what you need to do with it, then go get a small dog. Right. Although I have seen small dogs come from other trainers with prong collars on. I have too. My favorite, on my on favorite the TikTok. Prong collar, on the TikTok. On the TikTok. I'm like, wow. Prong collar and the flexi lead. Yeah. Like, let's put a prong collar on the dog and put them on a retractable. <laughs> this makes sense. Pull, don't pull. Pull, don't pull. Pull, don't pull. And it's yeah. down low and it, it's yeah. not good. Yeah, it's not fitted right. It's going to cause some damage. So, you know, you're right. I think that that so many people get on, like, the social media platforms and they see these dogs doing these things. And I actually had another trainer uh, respond to one of my posts on Facebook uh, on a group and you know, she's talking about how you, using shock collars and prong collars and if you use them correctly and blah, blah, blah. And then she put a video of her dogs like doing an immediate stop and drop. And I was like, mm, great, good for you. But most clients don't need that. Right. And who really needs a true stop and drop? You know, that's not. And not to mention, I mean, it was a herding breed. And herding breeds are really good at that because that's the genetics. So, which is why a lot of dog trainers love herding breeds because they're so easy to train. Right. But, you know, for me, I like the hard ones. Give me the Roddies. Right. And now I got a little asshole. <laughs> little shitter who's a barker. And I've not had that before. So that's fun. But even true herding breeds. I mean, I've been out in the countryside of Ireland and not a single border collie has a shot collar on. Like, Oh, hell no. And they know how to cross the road without their owner. Right. With nothing. Like, they're fine. And and even in America, like, there's cattle herding dogs that don't need them. And yeah. it's like, it, no, it doesn't. It really doesn't need that. Um, yeah. So, that's. Well, yeah, you're right. In other countries. I mean, I'll see them in other countries all the time off leash walking downtown. Right. In the city walking off leash because, but it's all because of they spent that time exposing, socializing and teaching. Um, and one of the big things that I did to start with is I made sure I kept the leash off him as much as possible. And one of the things I always told Brittany to do with Isabella when she was younger, when they would go out hiking is take her off the leash, yeah. get her used to being off the leash while she's still looking to you for that guidance. Right. right? And so now she can be off leash some, um, in some places, she does really good at her granny tees. But, um, but you know, that was for me, it was like that. I want my dog to, to know that life isn't life with a leash. Right. Life is life. And if there's a leash there, it's because I know better or the law says I need to. I'm going to keep you safe. I'm going to use it to keep you safe. But your dog is off leash more than anything. Mm -hmm. So practice that. Set those expectations. And then the rest is easy, <laughs> I think. Most, mostly. Yeah. <laughs> okay. The last question I have. Last? Wow. I know. We're flying through this. Um, so you've been, I don't know if your listeners know that you've been in a lot of continuing ed classes, seminars lately. Um, what's the most recent mind-blowing piece of research that you've learned or what's something that changed your thought process on something? So I have been doing a lot of continuing education. And um, I will say that Kathy Murphy, Dr. Kathy Murphy, uh, she is phenomenal. Um, she studies neuroscience. Uh, she's a veterinarian uh, surgeon, uh, does training, but she's just phenomenal. <clears throat> I'm trying to get her on the podcast. So, so if Kathy's people are listening, we really want her on. Um, so I did the, I did one of hers about brain development through the life stages. And that I think blew me away because, you know, growing, growing in the business and growing with dogs, there's not, not, there's just not been a lot of research over the 26 years I've been doing this. And, and when I was, I've always loved psychology. So when I was early in my career, I really was dying to know more about how the brain functions with the dog and how that affects behavior. And it just, nothing was there. Mm -hmm. And it's like these past like 10, 15 years, we're starting to get so much more. And this webinar that I did, it was in depth, mind blowing on just how the brain develops through the each phase 
of a dog's life starting um, in the womb. Mm -hmm. And so I think for me, the adolescence part of what I learned was probably the most mind blowing for me, which is why when I sent a message to Kathy Murphy's team, I was like, I want her on to talk adolescence because I want to talk adolescence, but I know I'm going to fumble some things because my thought process over adolescence and, and what it really is, is has been a little different. You know, for me, it was always about socialize, 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 get your dogs out. Yes, they're going to have fear periods, but you're going to work through them and you're going to do this and do that. And I think for me, one of the things that she said that during that adolescent phase, which is a really long phase, mm-hmm. actually, it can be a really long phase, um, that we should make their dog make our dog's world smaller so that so they don't have as much to deal with and to handle. Uh, because the brain is still developing and it's developing in in you know different parts of the brain's developing at different rates. And I think that for me, I was like, whoa, wait a minute. You mean we don't just keep socializing and socializing and socializing and socializing and exposing and exposing and exposing? I mean, we have to just back up and slow down a little bit, mm-hmm. right? Whoa, wait a minute. This is totally different than what I've taught and what we've been doing. And um, so now for me, I look at adolescence differently and I realize that, and one of the things she said, which I love because it makes me feel better, what, who your dog is in adolescence is not who they're going to be as an adult. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really love that because, and, and really, if you look, think about it, it's true. Who I was in adolescence, oh, what a bitch I was. Um, I'm not that same person. I, I'm not over-emotional. I'm not drama. I'm not, um, you know, I'm not what I was as an adolescent because I continue to develop and mature and my brain continued to develop. And so I'm hoping Myers is going to stop his barking fits that he has. Um, through the adolescence, but also by knowing he's going through something with adolescence helps me be more patient with him because I know those changes. And I wish I had known that a little bit more when I had my niece here and living with us because she was going through adolescence and um, hormones and, and these things she just she couldn't understand what she was going through. I couldn't understand what she was going through, even though I went through it many moons ago. It, it's helped me to be more patient with my dog during adolescence instead of looking at him at nine months going, quit being an asshole. You're almost an adult, right? And um, and I think that's why I, the adolescent episode is going to be so important because I, adolescent phase is when a lot of people end up giving up on their dogs. They end up, most dogs that end up at a shelter end up before the age of one, right up before in that adolescent phase, because people think that that's the way the dog's always going to be, or the dog is different. So I think that one was really big for me um, of seeing how that development took place in the neuroplasticity of the brain and, and just how the frontal cortex isn't speaking with the emotional side. And it's just, I got really nerdy because I've always, I've, I've wanted this for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and and so now I'm like, I'm absorbing everything that she is doing. I'm listening to every podcast that she's on. And, um, and she just did another webinar about resilience in dogs, which is what a lot of people are looking for. They want their dog to be able to handle things right. and just deal with it. Right. And and so uh, the resilience one is going to be good. She, she did it. I'm waiting on the recording and I'm so excited. I've like already emailed him. I'm like, when am I going to get the recorded <laughs> version? I'm so excited uh, because I've gotten a little nerdy. Uh, because the more you know, I think the more you understand where the dog's coming from, the more patient you're going to be mm-hmm. and the more that you can adjust to those expectations so that you don't get frustrated. Um, so I think that was that's the biggest. So thank you, Dr. Kathy Murphy. You're amazing. Um, and uh, I just yeah, I, I, I hope that we can get her on here because I think that everybody would love hearing that. Yeah, that would- because adolescence is hard. It's a hard stage for dogs. Yeah, it's hard for owners, too. And it's, it's something that I wish I would have known more about if I had Clark during adolescence right now, knowing what, you know, and like having you like inform me, like that would make me, it would have made me feel less guilty about not enrolling him. Like I wouldn't have neutered him at seven months so that he could go to daycare. Like I was like, well, at the time I was working seven, eight hour days, five days a week. And I just like, I felt bad. So what are you going to do? Like, I should have 
hired a dog walker. Like if I could go back and change one aspect, I would have just done a dog walker, kept him in t- kept him intact till he was a year or a year and a half. But because I felt like I didn't have any other option, yep. send him to daycare because I felt bad about leaving him at home. Yep. In hindsight, it probably only would have benefited him to be at home. Like, and not yeah. around a ton of other dogs and not, you yeah. know, like you said, making his world smaller. Um, well, and then just understanding now that more research is coming out about how those, the testosterone, uh, the hormones and the estrogen and all of that is part of the development of the brain. And so it needs, it, it needs to be a part of, uh, of them for a lot longer. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that more and more research is coming out on that. I'm telling my clients now that if you can, the longest, if you can wait to spay or neuter your dog, great. Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes it's, it's a pain. You'll, you will run into some problems if you keep them intact, but if you can manage it and handle it correctly, then, you know, go for it. Yeah. But it is, it's, it, it, I think it's important that we continue to learn and educate ourselves. And we, we take the opportunity to learn from these people that are doing all this hard research. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, Kim Brophy doing the, the genetic aspect of it and legs of, of taking in the entire animal and looking at those genetics. And, and that really started me down a rabbit hole <laughs> and we've had her on the, on the um, podcast and it was phenomenal and I would love to have her back. Um, because it it's really, I've always tried to look at the dogs as a whole from the inside out. And I've never had a lot to, I've not had a lot of people to go to and, and read and learn from because I thought I was the oddball. Like I didn't really talk to colleagues because I'm not going to sit around talking about antecedents, behavior, consequences, and do you use negative associations, positive associations. I mean, I just didn't talk the, the kind of the sciencey nerdy talk because I always knew there was more. Mm-hmm. I would kind of come from and now seeing it, I'm just like absorbing it. Like, like, I mean, I'm shoving it in my face. Like I'm new at this. <laughs> right. I mean, in 26 years and I'm still getting all giddy about it because finally the things that I knew were there, I'm starting to get information for. And, um, and that's why I want to bring it to my listeners so that you guys can understand that what you see on, on the social media of these perfect dogs of, of responding to every little command and every little thing. And they're like robots. That's not what kind of relationship you want to have. Right. You're probably a little you want to have a relationship of understanding your dog. Yeah. Right. And being, um, being in a real relationship and bettering yourself while bettering your dog. Mm-hmm. I'm a better person. I think, um, the longer I'm a dog owner, the better person I become. Agreed. I think. Well, there may be people around me that, well, what do you think? The three years, am I a better person? Yeah. You've known me for three years now. Am I a better person? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, it just, you know, I do love what I get to do, but it is, uh, I definitely, am, I'm down the nerdy path. Yeah. Well, then, you're nerdy too. I'm, so I'm super nerdy. And for anyone that knows the Enneagram, I'm an Enneagram five, which is the researcher. And so this is like right up my alley. And that's why I wanted to pick your brain. And I also wanted to like bring this to the listeners to let clients or future clients know, like, don't be scared to ask the questions because asking questions, whether you think they're silly or whether you think you already know the answer, it's either going to be answered or it's going to put you or me or any of us at dog speak down the trail of, well, let me circle back to you on that. Cause that's a really good question. And let's go yeah. look at what the best research is and let's go, or even you ask the question, you give the answer to have listeners know that we're not just going to stick to what we say. Like if we, if we hear a class or go to a seminar and it's, Hey, I know I told you two weeks ago, this let's do However, this instead. Yeah. Um, However, this is what I've recently learned, and this is the research that's come out. And and I think that when you're scared to contradict yourself, Mm -hmm. and and but if you're contradicting yourself because you've learned new and better information, then I don't think it's contradiction. It's improving upon your education so that you can improve your clients. Right? Don't be afraid. And and that's again, if you have, if there are trainers out there that you guys are talking to that are still stuck in dominance theory and using aversive techniques and think telling you've got to be the leader and the alpha and you got to go through doors first, you need to run 
because that means that they are not up to date on anything. They're still doing old school. Um, basically, it's like you go into a doctor and them just using a little bit of like topical, um, you know, numbing cream to do a surgery with and then making you drink some vodka. So you'll pass out right. instead of going to where we can do anesthesia and, <laughs> and safely do surgery. I mean, right. literally, it, it's we you want to go with somebody who is up to date on things mm-hmm. and it can be overwhelming. Uh, you know, I try not to like talk over people's heads because. You know, it's that throws that blows people away as well. But there's there's too much good information out there by science based trainers that understand what's happening, that understands that the dog is more than the behavior they're exhibiting and that there are better techniques and there are techniques that you can use without fear. Um, And um, and then, of course, pain and pain is a big issue. And we talked last week about pain and, and how it can cause a lot of behavior issues. Um, but you know, don't be going to cause pain just to get a result. And if, if you have a dog that's bigger than you can handle, then you need to find some tools that you can use. That's not going to cause harm to your dog. Mm-hmm. Um, cause that is, um, yeah, that's, that's irritating for me when people are like, I'm getting a 150 pound dog and I am five foot six and 114 pounds. Um, and I'm going to get that dog and I'm gonna put a prong collar because I can't control him. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not the dog's fault. Why is the dog going to get punished for your poor choices? Right. You know, so, um, yeah, I don't know where that one just came from. I, I just, that was that rabbit hole we were talking about. <laughs> like there's don't hurt your dog. You know, just again, go with people that are that are, you know, educating themselves and and staying up to date on information, um, and stay away from old school crap. Mm-hmm. And I did it. I can I can tell you how miserable the dogs are doing it that way. Period. Oh, not to mention that I also get a lot of clients from dogs with dogs that have been to previous trainers or board and trains that used. Oh, perfect example. Yeah. I was just going to bring up board and trains. Perfect example. Yeah. Um, Had a client the other day. A dog was 11 year old lab, not the client, uh, one of their other dogs, but she was laying on the floor. Everything was great. We were just talking about this other dog and um, one of the phone in the room uh, went off and beeped a couple of times. And that dog got up, tail down, ears back, and went out of the room. And I looked at the owner. I said, was she trained with a shock collar? And she looked at me and she was like, as a matter of fact, she was. I was like, yeah. So that beeping noise that she just heard, she uh, anticipated that there was going to be a shock because of the negative association. Mm -hmm. So even though she wasn't wearing a shock collar, she wasn't wearing a collar at all. It's still ingrained in her brain. And that's why I was talking about, you know, dogs hearing the microwave going off that is going to cause some issues. So those there's some long-term effects that mm-hmm. that your dog will have. And, and it's just not worth it, y'all. Mm-hmm. It's really not. Yeah. For what? And go. it's usually because my dog doesn't walk on a leash. Does your dog even, like you said in the last one, does it even want to go for a walk? Like, why, why, do, you, right. why do you need that? Put it on a long lead yeah. and let it sniff around in your grass. Like, Absolutely. <laughs> Stop trying to go around the block. If I if I could teach anything to anybody for the rest of my life, it would be stop trying to take your dogs for walks when they're not prepared, they don't care, mm-hmm. or they're not good at walking. Yeah. Like, just stop. Stop with this whole, I walk my dog, and I, I, we hear it all the time. Well, we walk our dog three times a day, at least 45 minutes each walk. Okay, well, number one, you're creating an athlete. Are you going to be able to keep up with that? All right. And that's if your dog is enjoying it and if he's walking nicely. Mm-hmm. You know, it's um, I had a client, um, a, a good client that you're actually going to be seeing soon <laughs> for various reasons. And uh, she was like, I mean, he has so much energy. I mean, we get out, we play ball. He goes to daycare. We come home. He wants to play ball. And, and he's, I said, you're creating an athlete. Right. He's he's not getting tired. You're creating more energy. You're building up his stamina. And what happens when you get COVID and can't do that for two weeks? You can't do that, right? And I, so I talked to her, you just, she goes, well, what am I supposed to do when he comes and looks at me with those eyes and drops the ball? You tell him to go lay down or go get a toy or give him an enrichment or do something else because you're upper management. You need to teach him how to calm. You need to teach him how to slow down and relax. Mm-hmm. You just keep going, keep going, keep going. His baseline is now going to be up here where he's going to have to be 90 miles an hour. That's his norm. Yep. And won't learn how to settle and calm. 
Um, so, and again, that is, again, as we continue with research and we get better, we learn about these things. When people look at me and go, well, I don't hardly ever take them for a walk. I'm like, you know how many times my dog goes for a walk? Yeah, we don't walk the neighborhood. We don't walk daily. I have a yard. They run in the yard. If we want to go do something, we'll get in the car. We go, whatever. Yeah. We go sit in the front yard. We'll sit on the front porch. It's, you know, I'm not going to get on to you about your dog sleeping in bed. I'm not going to get on to you about not walking your dog. I'm actually going to look at you and go, good, because your dog may not even need that. Yeah. Because walks should be about enrichment, not exercise. Yeah. So it is amazing that people, they have this idea of what their dog is supposed to do and what it's supposed to be. And guys, look at it yourself and say, what do I want from my dog? What kind of relationship? What do I want my dog? What are the priorities? And um, for me, priority for Myers is being able to go in public, hang out at bars and patios and friends and be off leash. That's priority for me, mm-hmm. not to do a bunch of tricks or sit within a half a second when I ask him to. Um, you know, I want him to come and I want him to walk nicely with me. I, I don't have a whole lot anymore. And, you know, uh, and, and I'm OK with that. Mm-hmm. I'm OK with that. He's my buddy. <laughs> I have expectations. They're just different. They're different than what I had with the Roddies. And it's not, and again, it's not because the size difference, because we talked about that in the small dog syndrome. It's not about the size difference. It's just because my priorities of what the relationship I want with him mm-hmm. is different. We're buddies. Tebow, we were soulmates. We were partners. And Dayan was my evil twin. I mean, it just <laughs> Double D was, she liked dead people better than live people, unless you were in her circle. <laughs> Oh, love her. I loved her. But yeah, so there you go. That's all I got. That's, so that was that's it. Good. That's all you got. That's all you got. I mean we could have we could have ventured off, but we got we can save three more podcasts for some rabbit holes, but oh, that's good. Yeah, because we need to. Um and if you guys have anything you want us to talk about or you have questions for Amanda or you have anything or even questions for Gray. Or Brittany, or I'll get Alicia on here one day, I guess. Alicia's our intern, in case you guys don't know. Um, she's working well with us, doing group classes and, and starting some membership training with Gray to learn. Uh, we're excited to have her. Um, right now, she also has a real job, um, like Amanda. I always say that y'all have real jobs, being a human PT. Alicia is a dental hygienist, but uh, hopefully next year she'll start working with us part-time. Um, she was a mammal trainer, so it should be. She's going to be doing a lot of our husbandry um, stuff, and we have a lot of really fun p- things planned for her. And you uh, are working on your canine PT. Yeah. And so, <laughs> so you get done, you're going to be done in November? It starts in November. So like the first, in well, it's already started technically, the pre-course work, um, but classes start November, and it should be fully complete by early spring. So excited. So excited to be bringing that um, to to everyone. and Bring that holistic uh, and approach. And bring the holistic approach, right? And, and speaking of holistic approach, we're going to have Dr. Neely North. She's going to be on, we're going to record next Friday. So she will be coming out, um, her episode will be coming out the 23rd. Um, and she's a holistic vet that you take Clark to, yep. as well as Heather goes to her. Um, I've sent a couple of clients to her um, with my dogs with behavior problems just to kind of work out some issues. So that's going to be excited, um, exciting just to bring that education to you guys. So when you get that PT stuff done, we need to have an episode on that mm-hmm. um, with some things that people can do. And um, and who knows, maybe you can do, uh, you know, virtual consults with that and, and show people. So we'll have something to, to offer the listeners with that. Uh, There's a lot of exciting things happening with Dog Speak. And, um, and yeah, it's, I'm going to keep learning, keep being a nerd. And I keep listening to, to all these podcasts with all these other, uh, with my colleagues and, and these nerdy scientists that I love, <laughs> love it, love it, love it. Because I'm, I never realized what a nerdy scientist, <laughs> scientific person I was. I, I love science. So, but yeah, there we go. And I love dogs and I love this conversation today. It was good. It was good. Um, so yeah, so you guys make sure that you follow us on Instagram, um, putting more content on Instagram, make sure you follow us on YouTube. Gray is going to start doing some little mini how to videos and, um, and we're going to try to start putting a little bit more active content on, um, Instagram and I'm going to try to start going live a little bit more often. So you guys make sure you follow us on that and Facebook and, um, 
and make sure that you're sharing our podcast because, hey, you know, hey, there were a couple articles today I saw that in the top 45 and the top 60 dog training podcast, we were like number 29. Nice. So um, really excited about that. Um, and that was from not charts, just someone doing a an article. So y'all keep, hey, move us up, man. We want to keep educating everybody because uh, we love you guys and we appreciate you. Amanda, thanks for taking some time out of your day. Of course. Um, for, I was doing this with me today. I texted you like, you know, a few hours ago. I'm like, do you have time to record a podcast today? So that was good. And my internet seemed to hang on for that. Um, and then I'll see you in a little bit to drink. <laughs> we're meeting up and drinking later because that's what dog speak people do best. Is it not? Uh, it, I mean, it's a hobby. <laughs> it's a hobby. It's a hobby. We drink as a hobby. All right, guys, you have a phenomenal uh, week. And uh, reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you uh, and ideas or questions that you have. And um, yeah, that's it. Have a great week.